The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. The latest from batshit bonkers Britain, Katie Hopkins on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yes, and how is your furry family member, I'm wondering? Coming up in the show today, we're talking about the unfortunate last words of Hassan Bitmez from Turkey just before his heart attack. (laughs) I want to introduce you to Chip Roy, a crucial voice for ordinary Americans on the idiocy of throwing money at Ukraine. And we have our top three out of the UK with the not-so-positive theme of death in different guises. You'll know there's supposed to be music running under this. Studio can't find it. I told him to sing and he still isn't. And yet we're hearing glorious Technicolor at tntradio.live. You know what to do, good people. I may be in the driving seat, but you are the engine for this show. Please do join the conversation. And here's how you can chat along. Katie Hopkins wants you to chat to her. Just go to tntradio.live, hit chat, and join your family chatting away. We're on the highway to freedom, where listeners drive the show. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. My darlings, we are on the highway to freedom. You do join the show. If you're watching us in glorious Technicolor, as many people do now, you can watch along on YouTube. Uh, You can chitty chat along on the chat. And that's why I have my my little sticky phone in my hand. It's not actually sticky. I shouldn't really have added that phrase. Uh, Oh, look, brilliant show, Dean. You just get better and better. Lovely, Dean. So if you currently join me at this hour, whatever hour it is for you, for me, it's like eight o'clock in the morning, used to be nine o'clock. It's so confusing. Do join an hour before. So rock up at TNT. The moment you open your sticky little eyes, why is everything sticky today? I've become a bit sticky obsessed. Do join an hour earlier uh, because you will get lovely Dean Mackin and uh, he does whatever leg of the relay it is. Let's just say it's the third leg because I like to run fourth in a relay. And I am bringing you on home before the rest of uh, TNT lineup. Do always remember if a presenter, i.e. me, really pisses you off. Um, there's others. Do you know what I mean? There's others. If you don't like this show, just hang around or go do something else for an hour, come back. There's other presenters and you might love them because everybody I think at TNT Radio, I'm going to say is very, very different. I have a top three uh, for you today um, that I want to get to. And the reason I'm going to try and run to time today, well, two things. Number one, I really want to get to a certain part of the show because I really want to do the drug story about a dying granddad that wanted drugs. I really want to get to that. And it's like an incentive for me. It's like cheese to a mouse. If I don't get through the show in the timing that I planned, we don't get to that clip. And I really want to. And the other reason is I'm I'm in a feisty mood today. Feisty. And uh, I know what that means. It means I can, I'll go off on one in a moment. I've already started on my video team. <laughs> in my other world, we are just about to launch the promo uh, for the live show from Blackpool that we are releasing uh, because so many people ask to be, so many people want to be part of the audiences. You know, when I'm on the road and so many people can't make them or we couldn't get near enough to people or maybe the theatre in their area pulled or whatever. So we brought an entire eight man camera crew to Blackpool. We filmed the whole thing. 
and we now have the one hour Netflix special, which you appreciate will never make it to Netflix because it's me. And also I'm probably not good enough, um, but we're just doing the promo. Anyway, so this morning, because of this mood that I'm in, I was like, good morning, rude word. Sounds like mother cluckers. <laughs> and the team are like, okay, okay. She's on one today. I am on one today. Let everyone know, fair warning, I'm on one today. <laughs> so let's get going. Uh, so do join in the conversation. If you'd like to join with other people or just see what other people are saying. Morning, tribesters. Oh, Katie, Dean is two hours before you. Six until, I'm going to cough, everybody. Block your ears. <laughs> I don't have a cough button. <laughs> Dean is two hours before you, six till 8 a.m. So that means you, you need to get up even earlier to listen to Dean. Because Dean is such a good, I'm not saying he's the warm up to my show, not in any way. I'm very much the cool down to Dean. But do get up two hours before me and listen to Dean. He's terrific and I love him with all my heart. Um, so we have a theme for the top three out of the UK today. And the theme is death. I know. And one of them is really, I'm really, I'm really what would be, I'm affected by, and there's no joking. So have you heard, you may not have, if you're not in the UK, but if you are, Gaynor Lord. She's a 55-year-old lady and she's missing. And it's really troubling me in quite a big way. So I was up at whatever this morning, five, and she is my first thought. And it's troubling me a lot because um, it just has echoes. I'll explain in a moment, but... Her, she has echoes of Nicola Bewley, the lady that drowned allegedly in the river, but before anyone knew she was drowned and couldn't find the body, they gave out that she was a drunk and all the rest of it. And everything about it smelt wrong and still does. And it still bothers me often in quiet moments. And I often walk by the river. I was walking by the river last night with the um, hounds or the lions and walking by the river, I always think about Nicola Bewley. Now we have another lady here in the UK. She's called Gaynor Lord. And her daughter has specifically asked for people to amplify that her mum is missing. It's very likely to set me off as well. So the daughters of a missing mother of three who disappeared last week after leaving work early has pleaded for us to help find her. Gaynor Lord. 55, left her shift in a city centre department store on Friday, but never made it home. So I think she worked her shift at the department store. A search was underway for four days, so that's now probably five, five days. Uh, police divers have been called in. Her coat was found in a river in a nearby park. Her clothes, two rings, mobile phone and glasses also found nearby. So as if she had, you know, if I think about myself, so if I was taking my things off, that's what I do. And I take my phone off, I take my glasses off, I take my rings off. Um, her case has similarities uh, of that of Nicola Bewley, who sparked the high profile search. Um, and Nicola Bewley was found after expert divers said there was absolutely no way there was a body in that river and then 
subsequently she turned up in the river. I mean, at a personal level, my views don't matter at all, but I have never bought anything about the Nicola Bewley story, not in any way. I've never once believed any element of anything about the Nicola Bewley story. And I think it was a contrivance, but that's not helpful right now. Um, today, Miss so yesterday, Miss Lord's daughter both reposted several versions of Norfolk police appeals for information about their mother's disappearance on Facebook. Oh, I just, I don't know. I find it a little bit overwhelming. 55, I think Nicola Bewley was probably this about the same age, just under kind of my age ladies and this, you know, have grown da or daughters that are, you know, quite grown up now. And so I suppose it's personal because you feel like, oh, I am her or I am Nicola Bewley or whatever. And then the way that these ladies go missing, I think potentially the Nicola Bewley case was a different example, but this lady, if it was her that took herself off, um, this whole idea that you would get ready for work, you know, and do all the things you have to do at home, put this there, probably do the dishes, you know, sort out things you need to sort out at home, make things nice and tidy for later for everybody. You get yourself all ready, you have to put your face on, you have to try and look half decent. You turn up, you get to your parking spot and turn up for your job on time. You do your whole day's work at a department store. And then if it is the case, that lovely Gainer Lord is no more. You do all that. And then at the end of the day, you just take yourself off quietly. Women are remarkable things. Maybe Gainer, you're still out there. God, I hope you are, bird. One bird, still be there. Um, but women, truly, the strength of people. And if Gainer Lord found life too much and did take a different route out, still the strength of people. I just, I find it overwhelming. Okay, let's move on. But um, I hope she's, you know, what if she could be alive, I would just, come on, be the greatest thing. But that's the Gainer Lord um, conversation and uh, anybody that can share on any of your socials, the, the story, not from me, obviously, but from Norfolk Police or the Daughters Direct, I guess that would be really helpful. Um, so the other story I wanted to talk about in our top three is about the Bibby Stockholm. So you'll remember, perhaps, if you're not in the UK, we had this huge floating house brick that was this massive accommodation that was going to be used for illegals. And then they put the illegals on there to great fanfare, lots of protest. Then they had to be taken off because there was some kind of outbreak. What sort of outbreak was it? Uh, the chat will help me. Um, the chat will help me remember. I want to say it was like Legionnaires or Salmonella or something. Oh, someone asking, where has she gone missing? I apologise. Hold on. I have to backpedal. Well, it's Norfolk Police um, left her shift in a city centre department store. So somewhere in Norfolk, I want to have the correct answer for you. I'm going to ask Tribe uh, if they wouldn't mind posting the exact kind of location, the park 
where they were searching for Gaynor Lord, which has now been thankfully police cordoned off, as opposed to Nicola Bewley, where they just let everyone trample around. Okay, uh, back to the bibby. So um, the massive houseboat, they were putting illegals on it. All the illegals had to come off. There was like 38 that eventually got on there. And then there was a sort of a salmonella or whatever it was outbreak, right? And then once they sorted that out, they were determined to put the illegals back on. So they put the illegals back on to the Bibby Stockholm to more protests. Then there was some messaging that went out that I was amongst in some way that was telling the illegal, so typical lawyers, activists, you know, the sorts of people that are just trying to thwart the government at any turn and don't work on the side of ordinary British people, were advising illegals to demand a doctor's appointment, to declare that you get seasick and to be prescribed seasickness medication. So the advice for illegals is that as soon as you come to the UK, you go for that. Because if you're being prescribed seasickness medication, you can't be put on the Bibby Stockholm because it's on water in the harbour in Dorset. And you'll think that will sound like I'm making that up. That is not. The level of advice available to illegals, you would not believe. The underground network of, oh, if you pay this guy, you can have a room in this tower block. If you uh, pay this guy, you can have a bed in a, you know, there are rooms all up and down this country filled with bunk beds in ordinary houses in your street. And men are paying 20 pounds a day to have a bed there. You know, this is how this stuff works. Anyway, very sadly, uh, a gentleman last night committed suicide on the Bibby Stockholm. And um, migrants said the man had hung himself in the barge's communal bathroom. They said he'd been crying out for help yesterday, asked for an emergency doctor's appointment, but didn't get any assistance. He was screaming and punching the walls before security intervened and told him to stop. So we have a clip here of a lady who's on uh, the side of the harbour where the Bibby Stockholm is. So let's have a listen to this. They're in real shock. Um, they're, yeah, I think a lot of them are still processing what's happened. Um, it's been really lovely because they've really grouped together and like what they said is we're going to make sure we look after all of them so this doesn't happen again. Um, they've been telling me that the individual was crying for help, asking for help. He got told to shut up by a security guard. Um, he asked to see an emergency doctor to get that mental health support he desperately needed. Um, he got given a number and when he told them he didn't have a phone, um, they didn't help. Technology or fit. After that, he was shouting and visibly distressed. Um, and so the guys are still processing all this and really upset that, yeah, that there was no care from the staff. But, you know, as much as that's an emotional lady who's clearly been very distressed and has probably been, you know, campaigning against putting illegals onto those boats uh, or onto the Bibby Stockholm. Um, someone kindly updated me here on the chat. 
uh, Legionnaire's disease on the uh, Bibi barge. So it was Legionnaire's. Someone else updating. They weren't bothered about seasickness in their dinghies. No. And of course, that doesn't matter one little iota. It's just methods. If you can say you've got seasickness, you can have a lawyer who says you can't be put on the Bibi Stockholm. And now you've got this. So just when the Rwanda uh, plan is trying to get through the House of Commons, which we can all say is smoke and mirrors, you've got a, you know an illegal committing suicide. Isn't that dreadful? But you know what? You know, without wishing to be a heartless cow, but just saying it exactly as I see it, how many decent, ordinary British people have been pushed to the point that they can't continue? And actually, regardless of mental health, any health in this country, do you think you're really going to get seen if you're screaming and punching the walls of your rented flat in the UK because you can't afford to live or eat or pay your rent or you're just about to be evicted before Christmas because the landlord can do better than you. Do you think people are going to get help? Do you think ordinary British people are going to get help? Do you think ordinary British homeless people would be offered a place on a place, you know, on a, I appreciate the Bibby Stockholm may not be luxury, but do they get offered these families, these mothers with kids who are being thrown out of their apartments or flats because they're not, you know, they're not financially viable? They don't get offered rooms or accommodation. So it's okay that the world is watching one man's suicide on the Bibby Stockholm, but I wonder where that same sympathy is. Someone else making a really um, important point uh, on Tribe, which is about how if hundreds go missing every day, if not thousands, I suppose, how does the media decide who to focus on? So, you know, a young person goes missing. Why are we talking about maybe this lady and not them? I totally understand that. Every nation on mainland Europe would give their right arm to have um, a God-given, cold and in inhospitable 20-mile moat surrounding it as Britain does. What a waste. We deserve everything we get. Yeah, you know, and I was thinking about this with the Rwanda plan, which I think has cost 240 million officially to date, which of course will be closer to 350 million, if not more. Imagine if we had spent that 350 million recruiting a new border force mm, just to focus on the channel. You know, imagine if we'd taken that money and recruited strong men determined to protect the British border. Oof. I don't want to have a sort of slight moment there where I get a bit excited. But, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to have to hop to commercial break, but I'm not going to miss out on bringing you Hassan Bitmez. And you can say, and I take plenty, plenty of criticism about it uh, all over the place. Oh, Katie, everything's a big joke to you, isn't it? Oh, Katie, if you knew how serious things were, you wouldn't joke around. <laughs> I don't think those people know my history. Um, but I will continue to find the fun in dark times and make no apology for it. Uh, and if it's not to your taste, you know, do offer tea piss. But when we come back, I want to talk about Hassan Bitmez, 53. I'm just going to say, if you can find joy in someone else's heart attack, you're the kind of person that has my sense of humour. And that is what we're going to be finding funny when we come back after this short commercial break. Go nowhere! Apart from to the chat, my name is Katie Hopkins. And this 
is TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. The double standard is out there. It's so obvious. It's so frustrating. Eric Holder gets held in contempt of Congress for defying a congressional subpoena. Nothing happens. Obama's DOJ didn't pursue it. Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro defy a congressional subpoena. Joe Biden's DOJ criminally prosecutes them. Criminally prosecutes them for defying a congressional subpoena. And now we've got congressional subpoenas of Hunter Biden and James Biden, the resident's brother. And guess what? Nothing's going to be done by Merrick Garland, Barack Obama, Joe Biden's DOJ. That's right. I said Barack Obama. Obama's the shadow president. He's not the one pulling the strings. He wasn't pulling the strings in his own administration. You know, Valerie Jarrett was his minder. Where is the Iranian-born Valerie Jarrett these days? Haven't seen or heard much of her. It's because the Democrats are smart. Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT Radio. subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at. And then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. Stay with Katie Hopkins and speak your mind. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. So, my darlings, this is a particular sinister sort of sense of humour. I think it's quite a military one as well. <laughs> but I make no apology for it. So, if you're going to be, if you find my sense of humour slightly off, maybe go and make yourself a cup of tea. But anyway, Hassan, let me introduce you to Hassan Bitmez. <laughs> 53 he's a turkish lawmaker <laughs> and he had a, he was in the turkish parliament and he was having a rant about israel being the worst thing ever and the jews being terrible people and uh, that <laughs> israel will suffer the wrath of allah <laughs> Let me play you this clip, which you won't understand, but let me just play it to you anyway. Take a listen to this. Kurtulsanız, vicdan azabından kurtulamayacaksınız. Vicdan azabından kurtulsanız, tarihin azabından kurtulamayacaksınız. Tarihin azabından kurtulsanız, Allah'ın azabından kurtulamayacaksınız. Hepinizi saygıyla selamlıyorum. 
So we had 15 seconds more of him <gülüyor> going. <gülüyor> he's still going. So basically, he's like, rah, 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 Israel, rah, 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 Jews, bad, bad, bad. I'm in Turkey, therefore I'm a massive Islamist, therefore rah, 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 the Jews must all die. And his last words were, Israel, which you may have picked out there, if you understand the language much better than I. <laughs> Israel will suffer the wrath of Allah. And as he delivered <laughs> the suffering of the wrath of Allah, <laughs> he had a massive heart attack. <laughs> and fell over backwards <laughs> from the microphone. And you could say, Katie, it's serious. Katie, it's serious. <laughs> My dad had a heart attack and it's not funny. Yes, okay. I understand. You know someone who had a heart attack and it's not funny. But I'm not talking about the person you know that had a heart attack, am I? I'm talking about Hassan Bitmez, 53, who was bringing the wrath of Allah down on the Jewish population and then stumbled, dropped to his knees before lying flat on his back, had to be stretched out of the hall, still receiving chest compressions. <laughs> I don't know. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. All I'll say is nice one, Allah. <laughs> the wrath of Allah. <clears throat> the guy's on his back on his floor. Maybe Allah is like pro-Israel. I'm just saying. Just saying. Maybe he's coming in on the side of the IDF on this one. I don't know. I don't know. Someone has to fight back against Patrick Eggson, don't they? Okay, the Rwanda bill. Let's move along, shall we, before I get myself into more trouble than I'm already in at all times. <laughs> Divine intervention. Here we go. Not sure laughing about someone having a heart attack is very good. I told you, didn't I tell you? I told you, someone would be there saying, wah, 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 don't laugh at someone having a heart attack. Listen, just pray that I have one tomorrow, right? Say, karma will come for me. I'll have a heart attack and you can play the clip of me laughing at someone. Don't point out the miserable obvious. I'm choosing to laugh at Hassan having a heart attack. I don't need to be told it's not a good idea. I couldn't give one single shiny Chipmunk, the Rwanda bill, let's move on. Rishi Sunak headed off a conservative revolt over his flagship Rwanda migration bill on Tuesday night, last night, in the House of Commons. So his MPs voted 313 to 269. Pardon me, the House voted 313 to 269 to back the legislation in principle. Now, There was this idea that if he didn't get this passed on the second reading, it could be an end of prime ministership for Rishi Roland Rack Nippelheit Sunak. So he is very, very happy that he managed to get it through on the second reading. However, in order to make this happen, he has done a lot of bargaining, right? He's told people he will tighten it up for the third reading. He's told the group of five, which are the five right-wing groups, uh, what do they call themselves? I love it. They called themselves after the mafia, didn't they? Is it the family of five? 
do correct me on tribe do let me know um he's he's offered them i think he's written checks that he can't cash i think he's told them he's going to do all sorts of tightening in order to get them to back him this time but they will not back the third reading if it isn't tightened up now we can all acknowledge that it's all a bit bells and whistles we can all uh, acknowledge it's kind of just a distraction because at the same time as they're discussing this, you know, in the House of Commons, another 20,000 people came into our country by on the lorry load yesterday, fully financed by heads of churches, heads of synagogues, you know, who are, who are siphoning off X hundred pounds per pound of flesh they get across our borders. So don't think I'm under any illusion about what's really going on here. But anyway, he managed to survive in the pantomime that is politics. He managed to survive another day, which actually was a pretty good outcome for him. Uh, let's hear from, I believe it's Caroline Lucas we're going to hear from. I could check that for you before we actually hear from her. Um, bemoaning, let me just see Rwanda Bill, yes, bemoaning the whole bill. So these people think it's too tight, too draconian, true ter too terrible. Take a listen to this. It is a performative piece of cruelty of a dying administration and a grotesque waste of money that is neither practical nor strategic. But most important of all, the outsourcing of our human rights obligations to a third country is downright immoral. And to immorality, we can also add absurdity, Mr Deputy Speaker. Seeking to legislate by assertion that Rwanda is safe is as ridiculous as it is dangerous. You can't sign a quick treaty one week and then legislate the next to make a country safe when the highest court in the land has said just the opposite. It is the facts on the ground that matter. It feels bizarre to have to say it, but apparently it is necessary to, and that is that legislation to say Parliament believes something to be true does not make it so. Ooh. Just because you believe something to be true does not make it so. So this is a Green Party. This is Caroline Lucas saying uh, that the bill is far too uh, tight and restrictive already. This is performative human cruelty. So the issue really for Rishi Sunak as well, though he doesn't have to please the Green Party, is he has people inside the Conservatives saying it's performative cruelty. It's too harsh. It's too tough. And then he has the group of five inside the Conservative Party saying it's not tough enough. You need to tighten it up. And this is the interesting thing. Tory whips have been suggesting that at some stage the bill could become an issue that necessitates removing the whip from those who rebel, right? This threat never goes down well. And it's a threat that Boris Johnson uh, made and used in 2019. So he stripped Tory MPs of the party whip if they refused to back Brexit because he wanted to signal to the voters very clearly he was going to back Brexit at all costs. And actually that point went down very well with voters, which is if my MP isn't going to represent me, uh, they get to lose the whip. The trouble that Rishi Sunak has, apart from all the troubles that he has while trying to be vanilla man and do what the globalists are bidding, is that if he removes the whip, it's not clear which side he's on. So unlike Boris Johnson, who could remove the whip because it was clear that it was about back Brexit, that was the message, back Brexit or the whip's gone, back Brexit or the whip's gone, Rishi Sunak doesn't have that clarity. 
He is not expressing because he's vanilla man, because he's always placating the globalist, because he's never on any side. If you actually watch him, he's on the fence on everything. He is not saying I am on the side of those who say this is performative cruelty. And he's not saying I am on the side of those who are uh, saying it needs to be tightened. It's not tough enough. People in this country have had enough. And he has to make a call on that. He has to be on one side. If he's going to remove the whip, he will have to have an opinion. And if there's one thing Rishi Sunak doesn't want, apart from, well, apart from the British people rebelling, which is his whole mission, is to keep the population in the UK from pushing back. Keep them calm, no fight back, no pushback. Keep the people obedient, keep the people subservient, keep the people under control. He will have to pick an opinion and pick a side. And I believe he won't do that. Just looking at chat in relation to what I was just laughing at, Hassan Bitmez falling down after calling down the wrath of Allah. Katie, you used to be funny, but now I think you've lost it. It's not about pro-Israel or pro-Palestine. It's how pro or against genocide you are. And obviously pro-genocide, he means obviously I am pro-genocide. And that is very sad. From now on, I am turning off TNT when you are on. Okay, so I totally understand that. And I think there's some merit to that, which is if you can't tolerate the person you're listening to, that's a choice, isn't it? Turn off TNT when I'm on, turn it back on when there's someone who's saying stuff that you like, or you can tolerate, or you can agree with. And I think that's a smart choice, and it's the choice that I've been saying people should make. I will also, if I may, suggest that this idea that we can only listen to someone that we agree with is part of the issue. And if we're just looking to surround ourselves with people that we agree with, Perhaps that's why we've ended up at such extreme positions. Because when we're surrounded only by people that we agree with, the temptation is to go further and further down that rabbit hole. And I know that well with my people, because once I'm down a hole of my making, people will say, oh, what about flat earth? What about 5G? What about, and all of a sudden you're like, ah, I'm so far down the hole. And the other thing that I think and I will continue to make this point, even though I'm, you know, I really believe that there has been sufficient conversations from people who are not impacting anything, me included, re-Hamash, re-Palestine, re-Israel, is this very convenient idea that it's not about Israel and Palestine. It's about anything that says I am pro-Israel equals your pro-genocide. And if that's your shorthand, there is no way of countering that or offering any other opinion. You would be one of those people that I have to leave in your space because I can't reach you, I can't get to you. Nothing I say will make a difference and nothing I say to you will make a difference to me and maybe you to me too. You, you've gone down the genocide route. That's what you believe in and I totally respect your, uh, your position on that. I'm just at a 180 to you. So I think all of those things, but I will say, above all, I think it's very important that you express this stuff. And I think get on chat, 
and you want to tell me I'll never listen to you again, put it on there. Um, want to tell me uh, everything you say is a load of old crap, put it on there. I mean, as long as you're not necessary, as long as you're not harming anyone else with your views or offending someone else by criticizing like the looks or whatever or something silly, um, get it on there. Because it's really important that we have places we can say these things. And uh, Rob, given you'll still be listening, um, you're welcome back. Do come back at the top of the next hour when there'll be someone else on, you know, always come back to someone else. You can't, Maybe you can't stay with me. You can stay with TNT because TNT doesn't have one opinion and no one tells us what to say. I should make that point. At no point at my time here at TNT have I ever been told what to say, or more importantly, actually, for someone like me, what I can't say. Uh, skirting the issue of genocide, Katie, an occupying force are not defending themselves. Yeah. So um, I'm skirting the issue of genocide, maybe, or maybe we've already touched on it on other shows. Uh, but my view is difficult for many people, which is having been and spent time in Palestine, having been and spent time in Israel, um, the only way Israelis can get to live in peace is if they are um, free to do so. And the only way that Israelis see a way forward for that is to remove uh, Hamas at all costs. And perhaps uh, genocide could be prevented if the 100 hostages still being held could be given back. I'm unclear why no one seems to bother about the 100 people still being held. So, my darlings, I'm trying to make sure I give air to your views. I'm trying to read them honestly uh, without any kind of filter. And I hope if we can agree nothing else, I hope that you can agree critics here and those critical of me get to have their voices heard as well. I'm hoping that we could maybe agree that. Then, my darlings, what we're going to do is we're going to have a really, really, really short commercial break. When we come back, I want to talk about Chip Roy. Oh, I love that man so much. And, 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 exciting, exciting. We're going to get to my story I really want to get to about giving granddad drugs before he dies. So go nowhere, good people. My name is Katie Hopkins, and this is TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Apparently, the climate cabal is freaking out. From Al Gore to John Kerry and down to the oddest imported student radical, they're freaking out over the final text as the climate talks in Dubai near their conclusion. At issue is whether the outcome will call for the phase-out of fossil fuels or merely call for fossil fuel reduction and similar, as they put it, weasel words. Either term will leave nations with tons of wiggle room to avoid or delay destroying their economies through energy starvation. And that's the big question. Do you want to starve because you have no energy? Or do you want to continue to eat because you do have energy? Hmm, that is an interesting question. I wonder which one I would choose. As veterans of the UN climate process since the whole shebang began, taking a look at this, we've seen this play out before. No matter what happens, the conference officials will emerge bleary-eyed and proclaim a major victory, leaving it up to the rest of us to sort through what happened and figure it out. Often, as is likely this time, the conference ends in de facto collapse. In fact, Al Gore, that's right, the high priest, said that the conference is on the verge of complete failure because he wants fossil fuels phased out completely. <sighs> 
I wish Al Gore the best. I hope him a long life, but I wish his presence on the world stage would be phased out. If they could actually agree on that, then it would be a success. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather, even if you're not in Dubai. It's the only weather you got. Last week, Brandon met a girl on a dating app. One day after work, he finally found the courage to ask her out. No answer. He started to panic. Was he being too pushy? Maybe it was too... Hey, sorry I didn't respond. I was driving. I would love to go on a date. How does tonight sound? Brandon tried to play it cool, but inside he knew. A girl so smart, so responsible. She must be a keeper. Thanks for listening and for being a part of the Katie Hopkins Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Woohoo! Well done, everybody. Great work on chat. I love it. And I love the fact that on chat, people are challenging each other, challenging me. Uh, people talking about occupying Palestine, Balfour Treaty, uh, two-state solution. Uh, people, someone saying, is Katie working you with her foot? <laughs> now, do as I said, please go on there and disagree. Please don't just be disrespectful or, or attack someone personally. And just if someone happens to have a similar or opinion to me, or perhaps has the same point of view, don't attack them personally. If you're going to come for anyone, always come for me because uh, I'm offering that. I volunteer it. I accept it as part of putting myself out there. I've accepted that for about 20 years, I guess. And the other thing, and I think someone just put it really smartly, is a lot of people over here couldn't give one single shiny rat's ass about hundreds of people or thousands of people being killed somewhere else on the other side of the planet. Because currently we have situation going on here. We don't have a banking system effectively. We don't have institutions like a healthcare service anymore. We don't really have democracy or a political system. We know it's a pantomime. We don't trust the medical professional, the medical system, and we have security tags on blocks of cheese. So you can kind of cry on about genocide all you want, but the whole reality that no one wants to say is that we have a lot of problems closer to home right now, like the lady that potentially just took herself off from her day shift and drowned herself in the damn river. Good. Keep going with your chats. Keep pushing back on me. Uh, Zelensky and his begging bowl. He's out again. The little dwarf in his pretend combat t-shirt, even though he's never seen his day's combat in his whole life, and he's only five foot two. And that does matter to me, as you know, because look at all these powerful people, always short, Sadiq Khan, nipple height, Fauci, nipple height, uh, Roland Rat Rishi Sunak, nipple height, the ginger dwarf from the north, Nicola Sturgeon, nipple height, Macron, nipple height. Find me, please, apart from Trump, mm-mm, six foot two. Mm, without a heel on, Ron DeSantis, always wearing six inch heels, terribly distressing. They're always small. And there is a reason for that. It is not by chance. He's back in the States with his begging bowl. Uh, Biden is determined to launder another 200 million via this little midget in his green T-shirt, pretend Winston Churchill bunker, give me a break. And then there is a hero for the now. Mm-mm-mm. Chip Roy. If you don't know Chip Roy, you need to know Chip Roy. If you don't know about Chip Roy, you need to educate yourself. And I mean that in a glorious way. Chip Roy, mm, 
Husband number 15 is on my list. I've told him a thousand times. I will do anything for Chip Roy. Right now, we're just going to listen to him with his summation of five or six key things that would sort out ordinary America. This guy could be president one day. I love him. Take a listen to Chip Roy. I think it's really critical to understand that what we've tried to do as the Freedom Caucus and a broader block of conservatives in the House of Representatives is to lay out what we believe are the critical issues that we must address, like Jody was talking about. Uh, we're making very clear about the overall spending level still must be addressed. $2 trillion of deficit spending when your $32 trillion of debt is completely unsustainable and it's not something that we can continue. Number two, you can't continue to have a Department of Defense that is more focused on being woke and involved in social engineering than it is on mission first in defending the United States of America. Um, the third thing you cannot do is continue to allow as a Christian nation a wide open border that is endangering American citizens through fentanyl poisonings and through human trafficking and sex trafficking that is harming immigrants in the name of false name of compassion. Fourth, you cannot allow the Department of Justice continue to be weaponized against the president, former president of the United States and against the American people. And, and I'd say fifth, uh, we, we cannot continue to have a blank check going to Ukraine without dealing with what we need to do here at home first. Now, I would add a sixth element to that, which is I think we also need to deal with making sure we no longer prolong and continue the COVID tyranny nonsense and the mask mandates and vaccine mandates. But just glorious 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 laying out six things that would make america so much better and ordinary americans my kind of americans that i spent five years amongst would love that stuff and the great thing about chip roy is he's still uh, walking around dc where everyone is constrained everyone is restricted everyone's small everyone is gray everyone is polite and he's like i could not give a rat's ass about ukraine we will not i will not approve sending one single american dollar to ukraine until we secure our our own border. So you have Biden trying to process another 200 million through to Ukraine for absolutely no reason. Biden's trying to sell it on this idea of don't give um, Putin a Christmas present by not backing Ukraine, laundering more money through Ukraine. And Chip Roy is standing fiercely against it, saying on behalf of lovely Mexicans, lovely people who are just sick of seeing people enter America illegally. He's saying, why are we sending taxpayers cash to Ukraine when we still haven't secured our own border? And he is relentless and he is robust and he's about six foot six, just saying. Right, I'm excited because we can go to my story that I've really wanted to do for a very long time, um, which is, well, I think it was actually since one day ago. Let me ask you on Tribe, let us move along, darlings, into a place of safety, security, and comfort. Would you give, would you acquire drugs for a relative if they were dying? And if you were terminally ill, let's say it's me, I'm terminally ill. I want to try all the things I've never tried, right? I've never tried Chip Roy needs to stay away from balconies. You got that just about right. Have you ever tried heroin? You don't have to be explicit on here, I'm just saying. But if you were terminally ill, would you want to? I so would. I'm just looking for what this guy, so this guy's granddad, a year ago, my dying father, diagnosed with terminal lung cancer, turned to me and said, Sean, 
can you get me some heroin? For a moment, understandably, I wondered if he needed this ultimate painkiller for some fairly ultimate pain. But he said, or maybe it's some opium or weed. I'd like to try them. Dad wanted to just try them. Dying is not recreation. It is annihilation. And dad wanted to try it before he passed away. My question to you on Tribe is, would you procure and supply heroin if you could, if a dying relative asked you? If it was your dad, I totally would. Would you try and get him some heroin? Ah, yes, I would. Would I? I've never taken heroin in my life. But would I, if I was terminally ill, would I want a supply handy and just take myself off that way? A hundred percent, I would. Would I want to try stuff I'd never try? Yes. Yes. And I think that's very much my attitude anyway, right? Because we know, if you know me, you know, I've done that whole facing down death thing. You might not come back from this surgery. And it's so freeing because when you know that you might die, well, all bets are off, aren't they? What would be holding you back? Now, my darlings, Take a listen. While you tell me your answers on chat, please go to tntradio.live. Go to the chat. Would you procure drugs for a dying relative? And I'm talking funsies drugs, not that heroin should be described that way, but you know what I'm saying. Would you do it? Would you give it to them? Would you be prepared to take the risk? I would. Uh, let's take a listen to this clip. Choose life. Choose a job. Choose a career, choose a family, choose a fucking big television, choose washing machines, cars, compact displays and electrical tin openers. <laughs> choose good health, low cholesterol and dental insurance. Choose fixed interest mortgage repayments. Choose a starter home. Choose your friends. Choose leisure wear and matching luggage. Choose a three-piece suite on higher purchase and a range of fucking fabrics. Choose DIY and wondering who the fuck you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting on that couch watching mind-numbing, spirit-crushing game shows, stuffing fucking junk food into your mouth. away at the end of it all, pissing your last in a miserable home, nothing more than an embarrassment to the selfish, fucked up brats that you've spawned to replace yourselves. Choose your future. Choose life. But why would I want to do a thing like that? I chose not to choose life. I chose something else. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you've got head on? <laughs> Who needs reasons when you've got heroin? I love that everybody is on tribe going, yes, 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 definitely. A hundred percent. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Heroin, no. Recreational drugs. Yes. It should be up to the individual, right? Right. And so there used to be, I don't know if you know it, you need to look into it. I need to get myself some of this. The Brompton cocktail. It was a mind-bending liquid invented by a surgeon, Herbert Snow, in 1896 at the Royal Brompton Hospital in London. The exact 
um, ingredients are debated, but it seems to have been, get this, an enticing blend of, hold on, hold on, I've got to find it. Oh, an enticing blend of liquid heroin, cocaine, and decent cognac. Come on. Snow invented it as a way of soothing and yet pepping his otherwise depressed, lonely, terminally ill cancer patients. The cocktail was so efficacious, efficacious, oh, I like that, that patients in their final months become notably more sociable and cheerier, knocking back half a pint of heroin, cognac and cocaine every other day. That's what we need, the Brompton cocktail. And you know what distresses me is that the guy that wrote this article, whose true story it was, did not give it to his granddad. Here we go. My stepmother said um, on highly sensible grounds that it might interfere with his legal medications and get people arrested. Who cares? Who cares if it interferes with your bloody constipation medication or the medication for your blood pressure or your damn salts that are too low or too high. Who cares? If you're terminally ill, who cares if it interferes with the medication that maybe just about is keeping you alive? Or maybe you're being given this because it needs to counter this and you'll be given this because this makes you constipated but this takes away your pain just give them the Brompton cocktail I am telling you now the minute I get the terminal diagnosis or as some people will be praying for today I have the heart attack so I need a bit of notice because obviously you have to prepare I mean two things are going into you know, I act every day like I've already been given a terminal diagnosis because when you think about it in life, we already have, haven't we? We're all being given a terminal diagnosis the day we're born because you know you're going out of here. You know, you know, you, there is no spoiler to the movie called Life, is there? Because we know how this thing ends. It ends with you either going into some fiery furnace or being tipped into some waters or having your ashes or someone's ashes, who knows really who's you're going to get, sprayed into the winds and being coughed back down by Aunt Mildred, who, you know, inhaled at the wrong moment. We know how this thing ends. But every damn day live like you've already been given that terminal diagnosis. I know when I officially get to know my time, if I do get to know it, which I strongly doubt, you know, two things are happening. One, I am getting me 14 pints of whatever that Brompton cocktail is, because that sounds magnificent, right? The other thing is I've got a list. <laughs> and I should, you know, fair warning to anybody whose name's on that list. And over the last 20 years of being persecuted by the state, by heads of churches, uh, by heads of charities, by numerous individuals who act nicey-nicey out there, but in fact inflict maximum pain on individuals who are trying to do a good thing. I have a name list, and believe me, it's my terminal illness list. And when my time comes, I intend to make good on that list. And that isn't a threat, that is a promise. Make good on my list, take my Brompton cocktails and go to it gladly, ideally covered in sequins. What's chat saying? I hope we get a warning like that. I doubt they give the medication they give at the end of life is doing much good. Of course it's not. 
What are they medicating for at that point? They're just medicating to make their own lives easier, right? The medication they're giving is about the nursing staff or the shift rotor or who called in sick today and whether you can have a patient functioning that day. Don't be a part of that. Be a part of the Brompton cocktail. And if we've learned anything in this show, it is that when your time comes or when granddad time comes, it's time to smack granddad up. And on that, my darlings, I leave you. My name is Katie Hopkins and this is TNT Radio. 